So the last time I spoke at the gathering, I'd done three talks looking at the gospel, and I, I used a book by Greg Gilbert um, looking at the gospel. And Greg Gilbert's books are really, really helpful, and they're really accessible. I find them really, really helpful, which is why um, over a three-week period, we're going to use Greg's book again. I encourage you to buy the book, and it's looking at who is Jesus I've recently read it, and I, I found the book really, really helpful, and that's regardless of where you may find yourself as a Christian. I love Greg because he does this. He, he writes in a way where he puts Jesus' name up in lights. He makes Jesus the, uh, the hero, not just when he speaks, but when he writes. He gives us a, a glorious picture of, of Jesus' incarnation and Jesus' powerful work. You just see Christ. It's brilliant. You may um, be a Christian here tonight, I don't know, or uh, a non-Christian, and you're saying to yourself, why do, we, why do we have to look at who Jesus is? Why does the church continuously keep going back to Jesus? Why is the identity of Jesus Christ important? Why? It's important because it is really, really important to Jesus. If you read the Bible, we see that his identity is really, really important to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's interesting that, is that Jesus, he, he made his um, um, identity, that question, uh, the focal point of everything. It's really, really important the way that people related to him. In fact, in one of, John's, in one of the Gospels, Jesus said uh, to the disciples, uh, listen to you lot, who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? See, Jesus thought that his identity, the way that people related to him or didn't relate to him, was absolutely key. In fact, Jesus said it determined an individual's destiny. Jesus' identity meant life, or it meant death. So taking the, one of uh, Greg Gilbert's chapters, we're going to look at Jesus being at the King of Kings. That's what we're going to look at tonight. And what we're going to do, we're going to look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. Um, do open your Bibles, because it's really important to be in God's Word. So that's on page uh, 1002. Let me read. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, the Spirit descended on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. I am well pleased. See, what we see here is uh, Jesus being baptized by John, but it says this, it's at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. See, John had been preaching a, a, baptizing, a baptism of repentance, meaning uh, turn around from living a life which is independent on God. Verse 4, and John, uh, and so John, baptized, John, uh, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching the baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sin. 
what John was saying is that the kingdom of God, meaning God's reign, God's reign had arrived. It was here. In other words, God's chosen king was just about to be revealed. Be prepared, be prepared for uh, the coming king. The king is on his way. It's why John, in verse 5, look at me, it says, confess your sins and be baptized by him in the Jordan River. See, baptism was that sign, that symbolism of cleansing from sin and unrighteousness. See, John knew that the kingdom of God was just about to be established on earth. It was John's preaching public ministry. That was the whole of his message. And now John, who they say was the Old Testament's last great prophet, was pointing towards Jesus Christ, Jesus being the king of that kingdom, the kingdom's arrived. The thing that gets really interesting, if you, if you look at this uh, Jesus' baptism, is not the spirit uh, descending on Jesus, which is profound and significant in its own right, but it's, it's, it's the words of the Father. You are my son, whom I love. You are well pleased. See, the significance is not just in, in, in this God the Father speaking, it's in what he's saying. You are my son. See, what God is doing here is entrusting Jesus with the ancient crown of the nation of Israel. That's why it's really significant here. In other words, Jesus was entering to his ministry as a, as a king of the kings, as Lord. How do I know this? See, that little phrase that we often miss when we read our Bibles, look, the Son of God, was a well-known title for, for Israel's king. It had been for, for years for the Old Testament as you track it. See, it first appeared, doesn't it, when we see Israel in Egypt. What did God say to them? He said, let Israel go, my firstborn son, my, my son whom I, whom I love, let Israel go. See, God set aside Israel as a, as a chosen nation, as a special people. And years later, the title, God's son, would be given to a king, King David, and his heirs. God said to David, what did he say? I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. See, Greg's book is really helpful here. Let me read these words, what he says in the book. The king of Israel is called God's son, just like the nation, because he represents the whole nation in, a very, in his very self. He stands as their representative, even their substitute before God, so that what happens to him as an individual can be said to happen to the nation as a whole. In that symbolic sense, the king is Israel. See, this symbolism should make us stop. I remember as a kid when David Beckham scored that goal from the halfway line. The stadium stop went mad. In um, basketball, it was, was it David Devon's uh, 89 basketball shot, which still stands at the, uh, as the longest shot, everyone went mad. Or when, um, uh, was it, a Barack, um, Barack Obama was on the talk show and he dropped his microphone in everyone's gas. See, 
As we read this, it should make us stop. It's one of those moments. See, to have this experience, we have to understand what was happening at Jesus' baptism. See, God was doing this. God was describing his father uh, and son relationship that had always existed between him and Jesus, but so much more was happening. See, the thing what God was doing was also declaring is that Jesus was entering and representing Israel as its king. The king is here. See, from this point on, Jesus would be their representative. He would be their substitute. He would be their champion, even though they didn't know it. See, Jesus always knew, didn't he, that he was king. He knew that. In his public ministry, it were times when and Jesus said, don't tell people I'm the king. And there were times when they wanted to crown Jesus as the king. But Jesus rejected his kingship, and not because he didn't know that he was a rightful king, but he was a different king. Jesus wasn't the king that they expected. In Jesus Christ, he wasn't going to be the king that they wanted. He would not take the crown on their terms as a revolutionary leader. He was a, a different king, this king. See, throughout the Bible, through the means of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through uh, great King David and his descendants, one day there will be a king who will reign on your throne and he will reign uh, forever. Through the prophets, the big prophets like Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Daniel. And the Old Testament, Old Testament prophecies, what pointed towards, guess what? A king is coming. And this king would be a king who would be struck down from sin. See, Jesus is the one who fulfilled his prophecies. He was a, the perfect intercessor, the ruler, the perfect king. See, when Jesus laid down his life on the cross as sin substitute, we see God's king. See, because we are so far removed from the crucifixion, we, we don't see it from the, from the eyes of a viewpoint, from those who, who stood at the foot of the cross, who looked up and saw the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we forget as we are here tonight in, in Muswell Hill, how, how, how shocking the cross was. We forget how, how, how shameful the cross was, the naked exposure, uh, the jeers and the mocking and, and the agony of the Lord Jesus Christ's death. See, the cross, as we focus it and think of it, the cross was harrowing, horrific, and it was a great mis, misjudgment miscarriage of judgment as we look at the cross. See, the sign that they place above Jesus' head, what did it say? He said this, the king and the Jews. See, that language is, it was in three languages, Aramaic, Greek, and Latin. Greek was the language of the world. Latin was the language of the empire. And Aramaic was, was the language of God's people. God was saying to the world, he is the king of the Jews. He is the king 
your king has come. See, that statement uh, that Jesus Christ is the king of the Jews, it, it was true. He was the king. He is the king of the Jews. And he was presented for the world to see the king has arrived. God has always promised to not merely send a king. It's that if we read the Bible, amazingly, God said, I will be the king. I won't send the king, I will be the king. Just as the prophets have said, the great king would also be the, the son of God. Not just symbolically or in title. The Bible teaches is that I will come and I will be this king. God himself will be the king. What does this mean for us who are thousands of years removed away from this? Especially from those words. What did God say? This is my son whom I love and will please. It means absolutely everything because Jesus Christ is the king, God's king. He reigns. Jesus has authority and he has power. He holds the keys of life and death if we read our Bibles. Therefore, King Jesus, he reigns over not just London, where we live, but he reigns over heaven and he reigns over earth. Therefore, regardless if we acknowledge him or not, I don't know where we all sit. It means if the king reigns, is that everyone underneath the king's reign offers should offer allegiance to this king of the kingdom. We should serve this king. In the 18th century, one of the worst crimes what you could commit was treason. Treason was that crime when you betrayed your country, especially when you wanted to kill or overthrow the king's sovereignty. You wanted to dethrone the king. This week, there was a young man who... Uh, was in the gardens of, um, I think it was Buckingham Palace, one of them with a crossbow. He got sentenced this week for treason, trying to arm the king. He's going to go away to prison for a long, long time. Treason was serious. In the 18th century, you didn't go to prison. It was death. Listen, the Bible explains this. This is why I didn't go out today. The Bible says that every single one of us is born into treason. We hate the king. We want to dethrone the king. We want to claim our own sovereignty because we want to underthrow, undermine this king. That's what the Bible calls sin. It's independence from God. And the result of this treason is death. And I'm not just speaking about physical death. The Bible speaks about a spiritual death. That's why Christ come. See, when John, John the Baptist in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sin, what he was saying is turn from your treason. Turn. Okay, why is it important that we look at Jesus' identity over the next four weeks? Because no one is able to pay the price of this treason. We can't. We're bankrupt, 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 we're stuffed. We are done. We are unable to pay the debt. See, the only way to pay for this treason, 
To make peace with the one that we offended is to provide something that the king, that God, that he loves, that will appease him, that he cherishes, something that is absolutely precious to him. And listen really carefully. What God has done, and we sung that, how vast his love is for us. We sung that on our second tune. Because God is loving and he is kind, he has provided his own appeasement for sin. He's providing something else that he loves and cherishes. He's provided his own sacrifice for sin. He's given us a, a substitute. He's given us a representative. He's given us a champion. The king and throne on the cross. So that all of us, if we love Jesus, is that we'd, we'd, be, we'd conquer the spiritual death the spiritual treason. Do you know more of a glorious king than this king? He's the only king, the Lord Jesus Christ, who can save us from a spiritual treason, from spiritual death. A king has important responsibilities. He does this. He establishes order and he keeps the peace. That's what the king does. See, Jesus Christ is still king today. He's establishing order and he's keeping the peace, not by force, but by laying down his force at the cross at Calvary. The history of the world is told in two tales. There are kings and kingdoms, people grappling for power. But Jesus is, is a king who laid down his power at the cross so that for those who love the Lord Jesus Christ can inherit, can know something that's called a resurrection power. Did you know that Jesus is he's king over the things that scare us, the things that we find confusing, the things that we struggle with? He is absolutely our king. We live in a culture and a society where lots of people, they reject this king. Jesus hanging on a cross, he's a weak man, he's a king. The Bible tells us through sending this king, knowing this king, the power of this king, that he's a powerful king. He's a king to be worshipped, to be adored, to be loved, despite our frailty, despite our sin. But But make no mistake, everyone here tonight, we... We worship a king. We worship something. We have a king enthroned upon our hearts. That king is either Jesus or it is often something. That king could be your image. The way that you want to be portrayed on social media and that pressure. It could be your work. It could be you're longing for that right relationship. As you look on and you see love being played out in other relationships. It could be control or power. It can be anxiety, those bouts of anxiety. When we, when we fail to trust in Jesus at that time. See, the only question as I finish is, 
Who is your rightful king? Who should be your king? If you look at your relationship and you think of God, who has the right, who has proved herself to be faithful to be your king? Who is that king? Greg Gilbert has written this book we're going to look over over the next three weeks because he wants to see us to see the king, the king of kings, the rightful king. Do you follow this king? And I want to say he's a glorious king. I'm not just saying it. He's a gracious king. He's a patient king. He's a king that more and more, that the more you know of him, the more we get to know him, the more we fall in love with him. He's a gracious king. He's a king of kings. So what we're going to do over the next three weeks is we're going to meet the king and know the king. We're going to move away from treason and move more towards Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to see who is Jesus is because Jesus says it's really, really important who you think I am.